0: Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money.
1: Welcome once again to Talking Real Money. Quick, I'm Don McDonald. Glad you could listen in to this podcast. This is the short version of Talking Real Money. The long version this week was hosted by Tom. I was absent. I was taking care of some family business. And now I am back in the studio, but only for a brief period of time. Because tomorrow I'll be attending FinCon the financial content uh, event in Orlando and uh, see what, hey, you know, I, I'm i going to be the old guy there. I'm one of the original financial content people, but I'm interested to see what all the new stuff is about. There'll be some stuff about podcasting and videos and the like, so I might even do a short podcast or two from there should the spirit moved me. But for now, this is Talking Real Money Quick, the quick version of our podcast in which we take a couple of your calls at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, and intersperse them with all kinds of interesting money-making financial science snippets that I create to play on the radio during the week. So if you have a question, please Call anytime, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Leave your question on the voicemail. We are not using this to bug you about hiring us to help you invest. No, this is really just to help you become a better investor. It's part of our education outreach. And uh, once again, wow, I got to tell you, you guys who leave questions leave really good ones. Let's get started.
2: Hey, Don. Hi, my name is Bob. I've got a question about your, you have said on more than one occasion that that a person needs to be doing business with a certified money handler. And I can't remember the exact, I mean, you've talked about getting a certified person as opposed to those people that are at the brokerage houses like Edward Jones and, and those other companies. And so I live in Oak Harbor on Whidbey Island. I'd like to know you know how best to select someone who's not too far away preferably I'd also like to sign up for uh, some of your actual classes and and start attending I've been retired now for a few years and it's time that I uh, made some changes in my life so uh, I like the way you guys sound and I'd like to uh, like to at least have you consider this uh, you know certain Financial consultant, I think it is.
1: Bob, thanks for the question. I think what you're referring to is a fiduciary, although we have talked at times about certified financial planners. Really, what you're looking for is not necessarily a certified financial planner, although that designation is of value, or, certif- or chartered financial consultant, same coursework. There are a lot of different titles. But what you really want to find if you're looking for someone to help you manage your money and do some wealth. Planning for you is someone who is always acting as a fiduciary, someone who will guarantee in writing to always put your needs ahead of theirs, will never try to sell you a commissioned product, who is fee only in the way they are compensated. You're going to pay somebody. You know that. You always have to pay somebody. The trick is your neck of the woods. Down. On the south side and over on the peninsula, the pickings are slimmer. Bear in mind, it's because there's smaller population centers there. I looked at a very few who follow the same philosophy that we do, and I found a couple close by, but the problem is their fees are out and outrageous. One of them charges 1.35%, I'm sorry, 1.75% per year. One and three quarter percent per year, and that's just too much. I understand maybe why they have to do it because they're small practice, but that is too much for the convenience of having somebody close to you because you really don't need somebody in your backyard or just down the road because it's easy to have meetings on the phone via video, and you probably come into the Seattle area every once in a while, and that's probably sufficient for those face to face meetings. There are a ton in the Seattle, Bellevue, Kirkland area, though, a ton who charge much better fees. We have a link on our website, talkingrealmoney.com, where you can put in your zip code and get a list of the firms that are in the area. But you need to still vet them. You can't just, just go willy-nilly to a particular firm. That's why I, I looked at the two close to you with very similar sounding names, and they're both pretty darned expensive. So you need to check that out. But chop around, make sure they're always acting as a fiduciary, make sure their total fees and expenses are never more than 1% per year, and they should decline precipitously the more money you have invested with them. Check them out. And if you ever have any other questions, you can always give us a call at eight five five nine three five 935 talk eight five five nine three five eight two five five 935 8255 here on talking real money quick. Subscribe to free monthly email updates from the only magazine devoted to real investing, Real Investing Journal at realinvestingjournal.com. Face it, most of us are bad investors. Study after study shows, despite our self-delusion, as investors, we make less money than monkeys throwing darts. We believe that investing is a zero-sum game. We fear that bear markets will permanently destroy any wealth we've made. We get greedy after prices have risen for years and panic well after they've already plunged. We think we're smarter than we actually are and believe our market hunches. We confuse hindsight with foresight, feel way too good when we're winning, and way too bad when we're losing. Except for a very few very emotionally stable people, humans stink at managing money and Investments. That's why so many of us find ourselves falling for precarious patter from insurance salespeople and brokers, and even occasionally into deals that we discover are actually too good to be true only after someone has made off with our money, pun intended. What should you do? If you must play with money to appease your ego, set aside a little true gambling money, then take the rest of the money and hire a fee only advisor who charges 1% or less per year, uses only no load low fee and passive funds to create a well diversified portfolio, and make sure that they're willing to fire you as a client. Should you act up? For thousands of years, many societies' wealth was measured by the amount of gold in your possession. In Mesoamerica, centuries ago, wealth was measured in cocoa beans. Gold is still considered a store of wealth. Cocoa, not so much. Gold isn't worth much of anything on its own. It's worth something because we agree it is. We believe it to be valuable. But what happens if people stop believing in gold and believe in something else like, say, technology? Part of the lure of gold was its rarity and portability. That's the argument made for Bitcoin. Its supply is limited, and it's far more portable than gold. These features make cryptocurrencies more attractive for younger people. They get technology. They don't get shiny metal. However, both gold and cryptocurrency are terrible investments, as neither has the potential to grow your wealth. When gold was allowed to float in August of 71, an ounce adjusted for inflation was worth about $270, which is now worth about $1,300. That same $270 invested over the same period in a global stock portfolio would have grown to more than $10,000 after inflation. So which has been the better investment? If you're sick of your self-interested financial advisor and are looking for a 100% fiduciary, low-fee investment advisor, call my firm, Vestry, at 800-386-3004 or visit us at vestry.com. If your well-balanced portfolio hasn't done as well as the U.S. stock market, congratulations, you're likely properly invested for your risk tolerance. What you say? The S&P 500 is up by about 9% so far this year, and my diversified portfolio is only up about 2%. Why didn't my advisor have everything in U.S. stocks? Probably for the same reason that almost no one had 100% of their money invested in Norway in 2009. Surely someone should have known that Norwegian stocks would gain over 80% that year. Do you believe that anyone knows which markets will do well or poorly in the future? Did you or anyone predict a more than 20% decline in Chinese stock markets this year? I couldn't find one. In fact, a December 2017 Bloomberg headline screamed, quote, top China stock forecaster sees brighter outlook for 2018. Oops, better check his foresight prescription. A properly diversified investor will rarely have a stellar year, but should also not suffer through harrowing declines. So if your portfolio isn't doing as well as others, good for you. A paper by American College professor Wade Pfau and investment advisor Michael Kitsis showed that the best investment strategy for retirees is, quote, maintaining a consistently high allocation to stocks to the extent that a retiree's risk tolerance allows for this and subject to the caveat that high stock allocations cannot always be expected to do well in the future, unquote. In other words, having more stocks in your investment portfolio in retirement will likely make you more money, but it's hard to do. This runs contrary to conventional wisdom that says you should reduce your equity position as you age and focus on fixed income investing. Just owning bonds in a retirement portfolio hasn't worked well in the past and is a recipe for financial disaster in the future. Successfully enjoying the fruits of a larger percentage of your portfolio in equities requires an understanding of your emotional tolerance for volatility and a plan to remain invested despite the market's wild gyrations. In most cases, both of these require the help of a true fee only fiduciary investment advisor, not a stockbroker or insurance salesperson. Subscribe to free monthly email updates from the only magazine devoted to real investing, Real Investing Journal at realinvestingjournal.com. We all want to make more money, but we don't like taking risk. The biggest reason we hate risk is because we don't know when it will happen or how bad it might be. What we really dislike is the surprise factor. If we knew in advance that our investment would go down and that there was a substantial likelihood it would eventually recover and even head higher, we could probably live with not knowing when or how much it will fall investing in stocks is risky individual stocks rise and fall some can make you rich others can lose you everything you can't know if the stock or stocks you pick will make you wealthy or destitute that is some scary uncertainty individual stocks are loaded with potential surprises yet as a group stocks are pretty darn predictable sure the value of all the stocks on the planet fluctuates up and down but the up has always exceeded the down and by a fairly large margin in other words if you own the entire global stock market you know there will be times when you'll lose money but the times when you make money should exceed them reducing some of those scary surprises In addition to trying to provide you with an education, just a general education about how investing is supposed to work and how money management is supposed to work in your favor, we also take your calls here on Talking Real Money Quick and on Talking Real Money, the regular talk show that airs Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, 855-935-TALK. Here's our next call.
2: Hi. This is Ted, calling from Maryland. Uh, I have a question. I'm currently invested in the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund, Admiral Share, the uh, Vanguard Total International Stock Market Index Fund, Admiral Share, the Vanguard Total International Bond Index Fund, Admiral Share, and the Vanguard Total Bond Market Index Fund, Admiral Share. My question is this, if I were to now invest in the 11 sectors of the equity portion of my portfolio, would that be duplicating these investments or would it be totally separate? Not sure if that makes sense, but if you could please uh, address that issue for me. Thank you.
1: Well, Ted, I totally get your question. Get the question a lot and it's a good one. You, though, you are incredibly well diversified right now. You are better diversified probably than 95% of the people who invest these days. So if you just left your portfolio as is, you could be very happy long term. I, I just, as long as you understand your volatility tolerance and you invest for that, which it sounds like you do, you have massive diversification. When you're getting into sectors, people use sector funds to bet on segments of the economy, financial services, healthcare, that kind of thing. You have all of those sectors in your portfolio because you own the total market. That kind of diversification, at least academically, doesn't do anything for your diversification to either improve risk or increase returns. There's just no benefit to you. However, if you want to improve your diversification from an academically sound factor-based, that's what it's called, perspective, there are a couple of funds you could add to your portfolio that would and well, that could and should and have historically improved your diversification, actually increased the returns slightly and reduced volatility slightly. Tiny little incremental, but this is in the past. Future, who knows? The funds you could add at Vanguard are a little bit of small-cap value, which has been shown to increase returns. Vanguard has a small-cap value index fund. You also might want to consider, if you don't mind, the added volatility of adding an emerging markets fund. They have an emerging markets index fund. And the other thing that has been shown in the past to add some stability to a portfolio because the assets don't correlate exactly is real estate. So you might want to take a look at a Vanguard REIT fund, either a a U.S. REIT fund or even an international REIT fund. Those things would add diversification to your portfolio that has a track record of doing something positive for you, whereas sector funds have no absolutely no relation to any improvement you could make in your portfolio. But I want to go back and say, if you don't want to mess with all those extra funds and all that extra rebalancing, you're really well diversified now. But the only diversification I would suggest is adding to the equity side of your portfolio. Again, equity side only, emerging markets, small cap value, and maybe a refund. Ted, thanks so much for the call. And I want to thank all of you every single one of you who listens to the podcast for tuning in, finding it, doing the things you do, subscribing to it. I hope that you might even feel moved to leave us a review. And I certainly, certainly would appreciate it if you tell some friends, spread the word, because there are a lot of financial podcasts out there and I've listened to hundreds of them. And there are very few that give you advice that's good, for you. A lot of them are good for the person doing the podcast and a lot of them are just, they're just bad advice. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things I'm hoping to learn a little bit more about at FinCon because there's some people giving great advice there and then there's the advice that really, really, really stinks and, and I'm going to talk a little bit about both in, in future podcasts. Thanks for listening. Take good care. I'm Don McDonald